This episode is an important episode where we deal with mental health. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the show. My name is Michael Sano, and this used to be Michael Sano has a podcast, but we're doing kind of a revamp. It's going to be called now the Sea and Land Fitness Podcast. Um, I don't know how I'm going to organize all the uh, videos, but whatever, we'll figure it out. Um, okay, so for this episode, we have an interview. We're going to be talking about mental health. Um, we're going to be talking about mental health and student athletes with, it is my pleasure to introduce University of Florida swimmer, Cecilia Porter. Cecilia, hey, what's going on? How are you? Hi, I'm doing very well. Thank you for the very enthusiastic intro. Um, you like that? <laughs> it was great. <laughs> very well, enthusiastic. all right. So your name, Cecilia, you're somebody, people, all right, we have to go over this. This has to be brought up. It is not just Cecilia that you're referred to, correct? Correct, correct. Growing up, so, so growing up in high school, I was Cecilia, that's my real name. And once I got to college, or it was during quarantine, so my senior year of high school, we were on a COVID quarantine, like, Zoom call with some of the girls on the Florida team. And they asked me, we were doing like a little workout and they asked me, they were like, so is it Cece or Cecilia? And I was like, honestly, <laughs> I've heard both. So whatever you want. And from then on, it was like, okay, you're Cece. So now if I don't introduce myself as Cece around, nobody knows who I am. Definitely. Nobody has any idea who you are. Yeah. You got a, uh, you got a nickname, whether you like it or not. That's sort of like when I was growing up, but your nicknames are a lot nicer than the nicknames we got in my neighborhood. So anyways, um, all right. So, uh, just briefly, who are you and where are you from? Yeah. So I'm a student athlete at the university of Florida. I am a junior now and I'm congratulations. Thank you. And I'm originally from, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, so I swam club swimming um, all throughout high school, middle school, high school, all of it, and then committed to UF my junior year. And here we are now. I'm now medically retired. And, um, and yeah. So uh, when did you get into sports? What was sporting like for you, athleticism like for you growing up? Were you into like a ton of sports? Or like I spoke to someone – uh, a couple months ago and they had nothing to do with sports and then became a division one, uh, runner. So what, what was it like for you? Did you grow up in sport? Yes. So I, I was very much so, uh, growing up an athlete, but only swimming. So I never really ventured off. I think that's the case with most swimmers is when mm -hmm. you do swimming, when you do swimming competitively, that's all you do. You don't really have time for anything else. But everybody else in my family, I'm one of five, and all of my siblings above did swimming. So it was kind of like, okay, let's put them all in swimming. Um, I actually got into swimming by I fell in love with my sister's swimsuits, and I was so jealous. I really, <laughs> I really. Oh, that's that. awesome! So I joined the summer league swim team for the swimsuits, mm -hmm. and 
here we are. <laughs> so, oh, so yeah, so I, I dabbled in a little bit of soccer, uh, rec league, um, mm -hmm. wasn't, didn't do too well. And, uh, and that's about it. No, that's okay. I mean, there's something about swimming. Um, so I'm doing this thing this month to try to get rid of some of this right here. Um, where I'm doing five days a week, a half mile. So Monday through Friday, I'm doing a half mile uh, in the pool. And there, there's something about swimming that's different than anything else in that. I don't know if it's being within the medium of water and that zone that you can really isolate yourself with the sport. It's not, and when I say isolate, I don't mean like, in a negative way. I mean, you can separate from everything and just be in the water. Right. Yeah, no, for so, sure. I, I fully resonate with that. Like it's, it has its pros and cons, um, mm -hmm. to fully being in like that isolated mindset and be mm -hmm. completely away from everything else. It's like an escape, but at the same time you're staring at a black line for multiple hours yeah. a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and that little cross at the end that, oh, I got to turn around. You're like a hamster on a wheel <laughs> in water, so to speak. So I, I get you there. Um, so why did you not, and I know everyone asks you this, why are you not a vol and how did you wind up in Florida? Yeah, well, you're correct on that. I do get that a lot. Um, so I'm not a vol. Um, I... University of Tennessee was up there on um, my when I was recruiting, um, and it got down to sort of um, UTK, um, which Tennessee back in Tennessee we mm -hmm. call it UTK. Apparently nobody knows that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I got down to Tennessee. I was interested in the Naval Academy as well as UTA. whoa, yeah, that's so awesome. My, yeah, so my eldest brother he was a swimmer on on the team at the Naval Academy, and then my sister. My older sister also um, went to the Naval Academy. She wasn't a swimmer, but so then I, I fell in love. You know, we'd go up there all the time um, on family trips. You know, we'd go to all the parents' weekends and everything, and that's, you know, a lot of, you know, what my family was a part of. Um, it's big in my family, so I saw that, and I really wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, great coaching staff. Like, that coaching staff is fantastic. Um, they're, they're really great people, but, um, but then, you know, I came to realize that aside from, you know, my siblings, I'm very much so not built for the military. <laughs> so, um, so well, you have a brother, you have a couple of brothers, right? Who are in yes. the military? I'm, I have um, three brothers and one sister. That's awesome. That is an insane household though. Growing up in, I'm sure, right? Everyone going in all different directions. But is it also a lot of pressure? Yeah, I mean, naturally, like being on the lower end, I feel like, you know, having older siblings and that are, we're kind of further apart in age. Um, it gets kind of further and further apart. It's two years from first to second, then two years, then I think there's three years to, uh, between me and my older siblings <laughs> and I, it's it's confusing but um you know it's just it's also motivating you know seeing their success and being able to carry that on and use that in my own life 
So, I mean, it, I don't really think that that was a big pressure on me just because we're all so uniquely different. And, um, so it was, it kind of, it's a, it worked out really well. So at some point in your career, um, you started to notice issues, uh, mental health issues. You started to accumulate stress, I guess is a great way to put it. Um, now these, these issues were they, did they first manifest as performance issues? Um, or did you recognize them distinctly as being a part of mental health? We are just jumping right into this. Can you tell? I love it. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So that's a great question. And, you know, they definitely manifested, um, originally just as personal issues growing up. This began as early as like elementary school. And, you know, everybody has, you know, their baggage, their issues that they grow up with. And if it's not dealt with, it just manifests into these bigger issues. It delves into every part of your life. Um, You know, trauma is trauma. And, you know, uh, pressure is a part of the package with swimming and with any competitive sport. So if you don't deal with those issues um, head on, then the higher the competition, the more exhaustive and difficult it is to tackle and that's what happened with me is I I had no idea I had issues to begin with I didn't know there were any issues that's awesome that is the best thing I've ever I had no idea I had issues I had no idea the things that I did were weird um that is great that is awesome to hear keep going I totally interrupted you I apologize no no I love to hear it but it's 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 the truth like you really don't know what you're dealing with until the worst happens. And then, you know, I, you know, kept on, it was this crescendo in my life over time and more time, more time as older as I got, you know, the more competitive swimming became and not alone swimming, but just life in general school and, you know, advancing further in my life, um, the, the higher the stakes. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I myself am bipolar. And so with that, congratulations, <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to that? You know what I mean? What do you say? Exactly. Congratulations. Um, cause you don't want, people don't want pity. People don't want them to feel bad for themselves. So that's always been my go-to if somebody says, you know, I, and I don't mean it congratulations in a sarcastic way. I mean, it sincerely congratulations. You've come to a moment where you figured out what's up is the best way to put it. You know what I mean? So um, when did you find out that you were bipolar? Did you find out before or after you had issues? Well, I mean, I, well, I you would find out you had issues. But I mean, in terms of uh, being a student athlete. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've again, like we all have issues. I've had issues my whole life, but you know, when bigger problems started happening, bigger, you know, I'd have started to have mental health, mental breakdowns and in college. And, um, this became known when I was at my absolute worst. Um, and I was hospitalized about a year and a half ago, um, in fall of 2021. Um, and I had a, you know, severe mental health crisis and I went back home to, I'm currently actually at home (laughs) for a little bit. Um, in Chattanooga, Tennessee and, um, you know, went through all, you know, the psychiatric care and I had fantastic care, 
um, and we came to the conclusion. It started out as a diagnosis as major depressive disorder um, okay. because I had just been all that was recorded was like these periods of just absolute depression. And then um, after <laughs> being treated with that, uh, being treated for that medically, um, we came to find out that I had manic episodes. And um, that is much more of a bipolar symptom. Um, so then in reflection on my whole life, you know, it became much more apparent and you know it i it's and i'm i'm so happy that i know that and you know there's such a stigma around you know these different disorders and you have a label but at the end of the day like it's so helpful knowing because now i have the fantastic care on my side and i have a wonderful therapist that i work with weekly and um you know she helps me through it and i can function function perfectly normal and um I'm so grateful for the knowledge that I've gained about it. Um, well, people. that's the one thing that I don't like within the diagnosis is that there is a, uh, there's a term that's used, um, functional bipolar. And I think that's such a misnomer because there are people who this is, and this, okay. So one of the things, and I apologize for interrupting your story, but this is an important thing that I think the viewers need to know. So part of my research deals with goal setting and in goal setting, you have to have this thing called emotional awareness and emotional awareness is, is, can be kind of scary. It can be terrifying because a lot of times we have no idea why we fear. We have no idea why we want. We have no idea why we're engaged in behaviors. And there's a segment of the population that says, I just don't want to know because I don't like that behavior and I don't want to know what makes me do that behavior. I'd rather just stop the behavior. But what they don't understand is that the only way to stop the behavior is understanding the behavior, understanding the emotion that lies underneath. And I'm a disabled veteran. So I had some issues that I was dealing with. And I really wanted to know what the hell was going on. Once I found out what was going on, it became a lot easier to deal with the anxiety attacks when they arrived. Because I knew why they arrived. I knew what I may not have known exactly what the core of that specific anxiety attack was, but I knew what it was tied to. In the same way with your bipolar, it's not that you're functional. You've always been functional. You're, you were a collegiate division one swimmer. Um, you were bipolar when you were a collegiate division one active swimmer, just because you have a diagnosis doesn't mean that, you know, you're functional now. And, do you understand kind of what yeah. I'm getting at? No, you're totally yeah. right. So pat yourself on the back because you figured out some type of coping mechanism at the time that was able to get you through it. The only thing was it wasn't as strong of a coping mechanism as you needed. So you went and you got help and you found out mm -hmm. uh, you found more coping mechanisms. And I'm... I just want you to know I'm so incredibly proud of you for doing that. That's so badass. Thank you. Um, the vast majority of the public doesn't do that. Um, so, so 
getting back to your story, getting back to your mental health journey. Um, so you have this moment where you're getting a, getting help. It's the beginning of getting help. This is a traumatic moment. Most people don't realize how traumatic it is to actually go and get help for mental health issues because it's at that point that you have to recognize that you actually have what we all like to call a problem, right? So how did they manifest to the point that you went and got help? What I'm asking is what was happening in your life that got so out of control that you needed to ask for help? Yeah. So are you um, comfortable with that? And if you're not comfortable with that, we can move on to another question. I totally understand that might be like ripping a bandaid off. No, this is great. Um, fortunately, like I'm, I'm fully comfortable now with sharing everything and, um, transparency is everything to me. Um, and if this can help somebody else who's experiencing something similar, then more power to it. And, um, so (laughs) to answer your question, um, so again, like I said, like things just kept tumbling into this bigger issue and so it was big crescendo. So, you know, when something doesn't go, uh, taken care of like trauma, childhood trauma, it's never going to go away. And, you know, it didn't, doesn't have anything to do with anyone else. These were my internal struggles and my emotional instability and my inability to process things, you know, I guess normally, you know, in a healthy way. And swimming was the coping mechanism that I used. And, you know, from a young age, like without the, you know, influenced by my environment, wasn't anyone's fault, but mine, I didn't, see much value in my life it was really hard for me to understand my place in the world and which is a really really scary thing to think about and um you know it it never really went away and i didn't even that's what i'm talking about when i say i didn't know about it at the time i didn't realize the impact that had on me and what that was gonna do for me in the future um i thought those were just like oh like little thoughts or whatever like oh it'll just you know, these are temporary thoughts or something like, and I use swimming as a coping mechanism for, um, you know, proving my worth. I put all okay. my worth in swimming and I actually hated swimming up until high school. Aww. Um, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, it's the, I just got to keep doing it cause I have to do a sport and you know, mom says I need to keep busy with something after school. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I did swimming and you know, I was a pain in the butt, <laughs> my coach, um, I almost got kicked. Oh, well, I was threatened to get kicked out of practices in middle school. That oh did gosh. happen. Um, I was a little rebel, but, um, you know, in high school, so the turning point, I started to get good. And once I, you know, proved that I was, you know, competitive with my times, mm-hmm. I started to love that. And I was like, okay, there's something, there's a concrete evidence that I am worthy and that I have value because it's physically right in front of me. Like I can do this. So I'm going to put all my focus, all of my attention and value in this. And that's essentially what tumbled into what became my, the, the worst yeah, so, moment of my life. 
So, so this identity that you had established through swimming, this personal internal identity that you established through swimming, once you started not getting good times, once you started getting criticism from your coach, how did that affect you? Yeah, so that was really hard. Um, you know, when you put all of your eggs in one basket, mm -hmm. it's not healthy. And, um, you know, it... I it was really difficult in high school. So in high school, I had the, you know, the privilege to be with a really talented coach. Um, he, he was very talented and knew the structure of swimming, you know, like back of his hand. He knew everything about swimming. And, um, and I loved that because I was obsessed with swimming. I mean, naturally, like that's all I thought about day and night. I'd watch all the YouTube videos. And so when things weren't going well, or I'd plateau, I'd freak out. Oh my <laughs> I, gosh. It was like, I thought it was the end of the world, you know, like, but this was in high school again. So it's not like I had, I was on scholarship, you know, I was away from home. Like things were still, you know, I was still under the, in the house, in the same house, you know, as my parents and everything. There was nothing riding on it. You weren't going to yeah. lose your room at home if you didn't do well in swimming. Right. Right. And I wasn't so, on okay. necessarily a national stage. Um, I was, you know, just proving my potential and, um, it was really hard, especially because, you know, I had an injury my senior year. So that was, you know, a time where I had to overcome adversity and, you know, fall my senior year, I had constantly been trying to come out of my shell because I'd been training really, really hard and really well. But my performances, I was a hor I was horrible with the pressure to compete. It was so difficult. Oh I'd get all in my head because, um, you know, it was it was just really tough. And then so I, during this time, during this whole time up through high school, what was your self-talk like, your internal self-talk? How were you treating yourself um, in terms of even on your good days? There are individuals whose self-talk is so negative that even when they excel, they're still hate, hating themselves. Um, what was your self-talk like? What were the things that you were telling yourself routinely? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was telling myself, you know, like trying to tell myself positive things. Again, I was very insecure. Um, you know, I had, I've had, I've struggled with body dysmorphia and, okay. you know, in the swimming world, athletes tend to be really lean. And that's, I look around, you know, in high school and college, the swimmers, the fastest, the fastest swimmers around me were the leanest, you know, not an ounce of fat or anything. And that was really difficult to see, um, to, you know, try to be the fastest I can when I don't look the same as the fastest swimmers. Um, so there was a lot of negative self-talk that happened, but but again, just I, it wasn't you necessarily this. Elaborate on that so that mm -hmm. people who are listening can understand what that, what that sounds like. What, what are the actual things that you would have told yourself that you can imagine others are telling themselves now who aren't aware that they're negatively self-talking? I would tell myself that I'm not working hard enough and that the way I physically look is a reflection of how hard I work. And, um, 
And I, so for example, I went on the keto diet following my um, shoulder endoscopy surgery. I'm not a fan of the keto <laughs> diet. Just it's, so well, for, for, a, for a, a swimmer, it's a bit extreme because uh, I didn't need realize. The carbs. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I was, you know, I, this was after a surgery and I had a six month recovery. Um, I tore my labrum. And I was like, okay, oh in gosh. a matter of months, I'm going to be back, um, or I'm going to be down in Florida, and I'm going to really have to prove myself, because I'm going to be swimming with the big dogs. And so I was like, okay, I really want to get in shape. Like, I felt so sluggish after surgery, and I just wanted to whip back into shape. So as I'm, like, starting training again, getting back in the water, I did the keto diet for, like, 60 days or something. And there's this, like, keto high that happens where, you know, you're, you, it's kind of like this manic mode mm -hmm. and, you know, I, th I thought I was doing great and everything. I didn't realize really how low on nutrients I was and I had no business doing that. I, um, you know, while at the time I thought it was great, you know, I had people around me come up to me and tell me, you know, you look really great. You look really good in the water. And right now, you know, you look like you're in really good shape. And that right there is, I think, what a lot of girls... Well, that's self-reinforcing. Yeah, yeah. It's that reinforcement that, okay, what I'm doing right now is right on par. Like, I am doing just fine. Like, let's just keep on going and do even better. And that was really detrimental um, because then it's that external validation that you seek. And um, so, so that was something... Did you ever have staff coaching staff um or anyone within your programs say anything on either side i've run into people who have said that there are are coaches who have told them that they might want to lose a little bit of weight um but then that there are also coaches who have told them are you okay you i've seen what you're eating and you're not eating what you need to be eating so on both sides have you had any negative from uh the people who are supposed to be supporting you as well as positive from the people who are supposed to be supporting you during this time before you realized uh the situation that you were in yeah well, i got both um sort of when i was younger i experienced a lot of you know negative um comments about my body and maybe what i need to eat um and when you're younger and you're hearing comments like that like that really plants a deep seed and so i i have experienced that i mean we this is a cardio sport so i mean the whole you know idea is like okay the leaner the better you know <clears throat> the skinnier or whatever and that's completely completely false and um you know every everyone's uniquely different i'm not somebody that was born with a super high metabolism and you know super lean and i as a swimmer you know breaststrokers typically aren't that built every stroke kind of has a certain build or something <laughs> and so you can't compare and so um so it was difficult to kind of accept the way i was and um in sort of in college actually i mean i i experienced more of the other side um and i think that was sort of a result of the way i had been treating myself and my body 
is mm-hmm. became visible that maybe, you know, I had gotten comments of like, okay, just don't, don't change anything. You know, like when, when it would get close to championships, I would kind of, you know, change my diet, you know, being like, Oh, I got to be in tip top shape. Um, as if I, you know, wasn't already. And, you know, that became a little, a little bit of a concern, not, it wasn't the most tremendous, um, concern at the time, but it was still, you know, something that I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to handle well my, uh, these external environmental and social, um, inputs. Yeah. You were having trouble dealing with them. Okay. Um, so describe to me if you're okay with it, when everything came to a head, what happened? So about a year and a half ago, uh, was when I was hospitalized back home in Tennessee. And, um, leading up to that, I had sort of this, um, mental health crisis, the spring preceding, um, this hospitalization and didn't seek any psychiatric help. Um, um, and I was just like, Oh, I'll, I'll be fine. I was so, (laughs) I was still in this state of, uh, just seeking that external validation. So I was like, I just got to prove to my coaches, like, no, no, no. Like I can't be getting in trouble for, you know, any issues. I got to get back in the water. You know, I got to get in shape. Like I, um, and I went through this whole clearing process, um, you know, to get back in the water, make sure I was healthy. Um, of course, you know, and when you're unwell and you don't know expressing how you feel to other people and, you know, Mm -hmm. telling your coaches, telling people, you know, Oh yeah, I feel great. I feel great. You know, it's, it's so misleading. And so then they don't know how to take care of the situation. Anyway, um, fast forward to, well, they can only deal with what they know. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yes. It's only what you tell them. And if it's not as problem with the, not the problem, but the difficulty with mental health is that it's not a physical wound that you can Mm -hmm. see. So that makes it extremely hard to be able to interpret the issue and for people to see it coming. I think that's the scariest part is that nobody knows what's going to happen until it happens. Um, And, but what was it exactly that got you out of the pool Mm-hmm. and into a facility. Right. What What was that moment? So during that time, in so in spring of 2021, my end of my sophomore year, um, mm-hmm. I went through psychosis. Um, I had sort of, you know, I had these external stresses. I don't really want to get into the specifics. No, no, that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I just want to go through the I, event I reached a so that where... those who know, so, so those who are going through the event know that, Oh crap. I need to see help. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so well basically I was in a position where I felt very vulnerable, very very mm-hmm. lonely. And so my mind went into psychosis. I had no sense of reality basically. I felt completely detached and you know visibly everything was foggy. Um, you know, I was kind of dizzy. Nothing made any sense. And then I went home but didn't seek any psychiatric help. So then came back to swim, good to go, everything's good. Fast forward to um, fall of 2021, my 
no so, yeah, that was the start of my sophomore year sorry mm-hmm. um end of my freshman year into the start of my sophomore year and then in the start of my sophomore year again we had a new coaching staff um at uf um they merged the team so an exciting new start and um that you know aside from anyone else Internally, I felt this duty to prove myself, you know, got this big established coaching staff coming on to take, coming to take on the women's team. And I'm like, okay, I really got to prove myself. Um, And after what happened in the spring, like this can't happen again. Like mentally, I was just trying to shove it away. And again, I had from relationships to in just all these situations, you know, I had multiple, you know, instances that I felt really, really, really low. And it all culminated into this sort of downfall towards the end of September. We had the first meet of the season and I was like, okay, like I was, you know, I was, I was like pumped about my training. And it was, I had actually started loving swimming for the first time since high school because, you know, I was swimming my butt off in practices. I was, I was, you know, the coaches were very happy with the results. So again, I did not care at all about, (laughs) about what I felt about myself. I was like, I care what the coaches think about me. That's all I care about. Like, I want to prove to other people and I could never prove it to myself (laughs) And then first meet of the season against FAU, um, I swam. I felt horrible. Leading up to that week, I had a very difficult time um, dealing with stresses and pressure. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a lot going on. And, um, you know, after swimming, um, that meet, came home, made some bad decisions one weekend. And... um, you know, it resulted, I woke up one morning and fully, completely checked out. No clue where I was. I was in a state where I had no idea that I was on earth. I truly thought I was on another planet. And that feeling was the most terrible thing on earth. It was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life because it was much more than any physical pain I've ever experienced. And, you know, I, and especially because I had no idea what it was at the time. I was like, what is going on? (laughs) I truly, you know, completely separated from everything. And so that led to, you know, could not communicate with anyone, fully isolated myself, extreme depression, you know, completely just leaving myself alone, just trying to tune everything out, anything any news, any people talking to me, anything that came at me was, you know, scary. It was terrifying. It didn't make any sense to me. And then as a result of not, you know, talking to anyone, nobody knows what to do with that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was taken home by my family. I'm super grateful for their help during that time. And, you know, I reached my absolute... How did they find out? How did... I was not, I was not responding to anyone. Like there were texts, calls because I was like hibernating in my bedroom. Okay. Basically, because no, of, I get it. You know, my state. So then obviously people were trying to contact me, you know, where are you? <laughs> All this stuff. Jeez. And, um, and, and so my mom kind of 
um, came and rescued me and took me home. And, um, and then that was, you know, when I came home, then I was like, why am I at home? What is going on? And I was like, this isn't real. And I was fully like detached, like, and you know, I, I had sort of suicidal ideation at that point and mm. it became apparent that it was time to take me to the ER. Um, and then I was hospitalized and, um, stayed as an inpatient in a psych ward for about a week and then was discharged and met some of the best friends, um, ever and some of the coolest people you'd never expect in um, a very scary place. And in a way it kind of feels like home. Um, and then, you know, did some outpatient uh, treatment for about 30 days and, mm -hmm. um, and then came back to campus in the spring of 2022. And I was there. realized that after all this, like sort of, therapy and going over you know the pressures and trauma in my life it became apparent that swimming was an unhealthy relationship okay no that's uh, it, and it's awesome that you were able to come to that conclusion and that it didn't sit as something a hill you never climbed you know what i mean right um so the instrumental people were, were your family in, in ensuring that you got help. Um, were there any people on campus that, that, you know, made sure that, that you were taken care of? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my roommates, I had um, three roommates at the time and um, they were there. I mean, I was, cause I was hibernating in my bedroom at the time. So they were physically there, like seeing it all. And again, with something like psychosis, nobody knows what it is until you, unless you like verbalize it. And I was, mm -hmm. I was very protective of my intelligence following the um, incident in the spring. So I was like, I don't want to sound like an idiot. Like, I don't well, yeah. want to like sound crazy. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. I was like, I can't sound crazy. I was like, nope, this sounds so wild. I can't say that I like my, brain is foggy and nothing makes sense like what's that gonna mean you know but um so so in that sense like people down in Gainesville I mean like they were only taking what I gave to them and you know mm -hmm. something like mental health nobody can really see it coming um so it's really hard to approach that situation and you know going through psychosis is very rare not many people experience it which is I think again, another reason why it was so hard for people to, um, att like attend to the issue and mm -hmm. my family at the end of the day, they've seen me since I was little. And after what happened in the spring, like, I think my mom just had a hunch and, um, you know, and then, and that was that. So what are you doing now? What's become your, basically your mental health maintenance plan? Um, you're back in school. Are you back? You're not back on campus. Oh, so I'm on spring break. So, um, <clears throat> like, a wait a minute. I was on spring break too. It's over now. I thought, yeah, I had some medical appointments. So, um, I need home. medical appointments, man. That way I can extend my spring break. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm messing with you. Yeah. Um, no, it is, so it you're is on spring break. What? You're on spring break. Well, um, 
I just ended it technically, but I'm at home right now. Um, I'm not trying to bust you. Don't worry. You're not yeah. going to get in trouble with your professors. Um, <laughs> that's So you're back on campus me. now. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you're back on campus now. Right. Um, so what's your mental health maintenance plan and how were you able to implement it to feel comfortable to come back to campus after all this happened? Yeah. Well, luckily, I learned a lot back home. I learned a lot um, through my group therapy sessions and working with clinicians and doctors and um, learned a lot about what it was. The first step was just knowing what I have and, you know, I have bipolar. I am not bipolar, I guess. And, you know, how to navigate these issues, these things. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, identifying, okay, my entire identity leading up to this point was being an athlete, being a swimmer. That's all I knew. So bringing off of that was, you know, tremendous to um, how I saw myself. And so I had to learn how to do new things. And I started loving sewing. Um, I make clothes. That's I have awesome. a clothing brand. <laughs> what? Um, Holy cow. Yeah. But so, I mean, I just, you know, brought in my interests and um, really tried to tune out the swimming worlds. That was something that I really needed to do at the time because it was such like um, – a emotional relationship at the time like well it was more like i would say it's more like an emotional weight yeah. that was weighting you down in the water so to speak yeah for sure um and so just really tried to distance myself at the start you know in that spring semester of 2022 um coming back to campus and even now now it's like i'm very comfortable you know being around the swimming community, you know, um, letting that be a part of my life um, because my identity isn't completely swimming anymore. Like, I, it's just not my identity anymore. So it's, you know, I, I love talking to the swimmers on the team. Um, There's mm -hmm. some awesome people. And, um, you know, and so I have my, my own hobbies, my own um, maintenance. You know, I like going on walks. I journal a lot. That's a, a great way to process everything. If I am stressed before I sleep, I don't let myself go to sleep before I write anything, before I write everything down. Um, and, you know, that really helps. And then also just, you know, therapy sessions. It's amazing. That's awesome. And you're getting help on campus. You, you have a, uh, you have a therapist, uh, either through the school or through someone outside of the school, right? Right. And how does that work? How do you balance that and then come home? Do you see someone from home and from campus, or do you Zoom when you're in different places? Yeah, that's the that's the tricky part. Is okay. my um on sort of the more medical side. I still meet with people at home because my healthcare providers at home, because mm -hmm. it's like, they've seen me from, you know, the worst time to up to now. So, um, just for the sake of, I want to make sure, um, my medications aren't being tampered with or anything. So, well, yeah, you want to have some type, 
type of continuity of care and all of yeah, that. Yeah, just make um, sure that everything's streamlined. And so that's why I mean I I'm here right now. <laughs> and that's awesome. Um, yeah, for sure. And I really love the care I'm getting, so I'm okay with it. And I wasn't trying to bust you on being at home, so don't don't bring that to me. Um, so, who is Cecilia Porter now? Who is the Cecilia Porter that lives in 2023 and is a junior? Can you tell us? Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't know, that's okay. If you that if that's still forming itself, that's okay too. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm I'm learning to be comfortable with still trying to figure myself out. Um, I am a junior in college, so I'm just trying to get used to the fact that I'm not going to be completely successful right now with what I want to do with the rest of my life. Like, um, it's all trial and error. So, um, <laughs> that's awesome. You figured that out finally. Yeah. <laughs> um, the trial and error is like my entire life. Oh, that doesn't work. All right. Let's see what works now. Yeah. Go on. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, um, you know, uh, studying psychology and um so i'm um, i love working with the volunteer program with the student athlete um uh group so that's really exciting get to work with kids a lot and um i have a great community down here at uf and um and i so i have my clothing brand and um yeah so those are th those are some things that are going on right now <laughs> that's good that's excellent that's awesome to hear um cecilia it was such an honor to talk to you and it was such an honor to sit with you and be able to hear candidly um everything that you've gone through uh i appreciate it and i know that your words and your stories are going to help someone else um and that's why i brought you here um this is great thank you yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was really nice. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm glad we got it figured out, and I'm glad you were patient. Just so everyone knows, I was late to the interview. Um, thank you so much. Um, all right, that is, uh, that's the show. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Um, and this, uh, this is the Sea and Lamb Fitness Podcast brought to you by Sea and Lamb Fitness. Um, and we will see you next time. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.